0: No. <laughs> Everyone to another Drunk Friend podcast. You know how this goes by now. My name's Travis, and I'm joined by Alex out in sunny Albuquerque. How are things going out in the desert? They're
1: sunny. Yeah. And they're pretty. I actually, we got believe it or not, it actually snowed a couple days ago. Wow. I mean, granted, when it snows here in April, it the snow does not stay on the ground. That's the nice thing about Albuquerque is that on the rare occasion it does snow in the city it will melt by like 11 (laughs) a.m so that's cool but i'm not you know i'm not going out there shoveling that's not not what i moved out here for hell no but (laughs) things are good
0: is snow in albuquerque a thing that happens or is this signs of the end of the world
1: (laughs) definitely not in april um for sure that was weird uh i think that was monday but um no, it it'll snow here in like January, February. Uh, some I think it did this past December, like once, but it'll melt by the afternoon, and we won't have to worry about it. I mean, granted, this part of the country, you just if if it snows and it actually stays and it's cold enough for it to stay accumulated on the ground, everything shuts down, the whole city, everything's closed, <laughs> work is canceled, schools are closed, every like because they just don't they're. I don't blame them for doing that because they don't have the uh, utilities to deal with it right. because, yeah, there's no salt trucks. There's no sand trucks or any of that. Nobody has, you know, any way to fix the roads. So it's dangerous and yeah. it's dangerous enough with how people drive out here. So, yeah, the, the same is kind of true uh, for where I'm
0: from, because w- while, you know, being in the the mountains, we're not like immune to snowfall, but a lot of the roads aren't great and a lot of them are just off steep embankments and it's just, they're not safe Yikes. when it's dry. So yeah, it you could just see a picture of snow and people will freak out and the, uh, <laughs> the whole town will, you know, everything kind of shuts down. But that's you know that, that takes me back to school when we'd get those snow days. That meant more time for video games. Did you get snow days in Minneapolis or St. Paul?
1: No, they were very rare. Um, the only time we got snow days were when, like, the school buses, it would be so cold that the school buses couldn't start. Oh, wow. Um, I remember in eighth grade, this would have been 1995 for anybody out there listening that's from uh, Twin Cities area, Minnesota, 1995 that was one of the coldest winters of my lifetime and there was like a like a three-day stretch where I think the warmest it got was like minus 15 or something like that it was crazy yeah it was really bad and yeah the the buses couldn't start so we couldn't go to school and what was frustrating was my school in particular South St. Paul was especially stubborn when it came to closing because they had, like, pride in being open. They're like, oh, we're not, like, Bloomington Jefferson. We're not, like, Roseville. We're we're, we're going to stay open. And that was so annoying. We're the South St. Paul Rebels. I don't know if that was your mascot, but maybe it could have been. <laughs> Sadly, we were the Packers. I, I wow. hated the fact that we were. Well, it made, actually, the, the name makes sense because South St. Paul is a meatpacking ah. city. Um, they had uh, stockyards down by the highway. And it smelled. It always smelled lovely down there. Believe oh, I bet. Me. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Man. Well. Interesting.
1: Brings me back. The, what
0: a tangent that. Speaking
1: was. of going back. Speaking
0: of going back. Uh, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm buried in a lot of work, so I'm just happy to to do a podcast.
1: Yeah, I know, right? I am too. I, it's it's super fun to. It's we're finally settling into this uh, work at home thing. I don't know about you, but we, we've got like our whole department online now. So. Oh wow. Now it's yeah. Now we're really starting to how about is that the same case with you or it's it takes a while for everybody to like kind of get caught up and it's like okay now we can start working (laughs) yeah it seems like things have settled down
0: in such a way that now i'm being tasked with more things so people are like all right uh i'm pretty comfortable with the home setup now i can delegate everything and it's kind of hitting me all at once so you know life goes on we'll see what happens hopefully everyone else out there is doing okay and actually you know i i shouldn't complain about having work right now i think a lot of people wish they did so yeah, There's that. true. There's that, but I do have a new mic. That's cool. I don't know if I sound better or worse. You can you can email us a a, a kudos or a, a gripe at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail dot com if you don't like it. But I, I think it's uh, good. I like the I like the mic setup.
1: That's a brilliant segue. That is a professional segue right there by, <laughs> yeah, by a ma- by a veteran podcaster. Hey, yeah, well, you know. uh <laughs> Speaking of that, though, I mean, so
0: maybe this is an opportunity to check in. So you originally wanted to take a stab at podcasting because it was probably different than staring at video editing software, which we all imagine that you've done for the last seven years exclusively. <laughs> so what's this experience
1: been like so far for you? Um, it's been interesting because, I don't know, It's it's been a lot of things. It's been really cool and fun it's the responses have been really positive which is always really nice um and it's been super fun talking to you and talking to daria and talking to dan but um it's funny how you come across the reason you want to do something like well after the fact it's like oh i get why i wanted to do this now it's because my channel stuff is so structured like i've got it down to such a strict formula now Mm-hmm. that um, I'm kind of tired of it and podcasting is like this open-ended conversation or at least it can be I know a lot of podcasts out there do like segments and stuff like that but I don't want to do that like that's not what I want to do at all like this is just to like kind of just talk and have fun and just laugh and it's been really cool for that and I realize I'm I'm I have a lot to learn about podcasts and about like <laughs> talking to people <laughs> and <stuff. laughs> not drinking too much realize i'm being you know because i'm I, i'm not i'm not gonna lie everybody can tell on the dan podcast i got pretty loaded and it was pretty like i was pretty obnoxious towards the end so but i mean it's called drunk friend so yeah what that's what do? i'm saying
0: we we have that excuse <laughs> built into the name so people's expectations coming in are that this is going to be a slop fest and uh <laughs> What we give them, I think, is a was... notch above that, and that's all we yeah. can, that's all we can do. Yeah, I guess so,
1: huh? Yeah. How's it been for you?
0: Uh, good, and I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Um, for me, it's been great. I've had a lot of fun, and I actually do have a little bit of imposter syndrome. And I know anytime someone says that, you know, they, you always get talked out of it. No, it's fine. You blog, whatever. But like my YouTube experience and channel pale in comparison to not only yours, but certainly the two people we've interviewed so far. So. My perspective there is a little bit limited, so the back of my head, I'm always thinking like the people that are listening to this are always like, "Who is this guy and why?"
1: Nah, you're fine. The people are eager to find out who who this person is, and they're happy to find out who they who this person is. A lot of people have have really been positive about Nest Friend and the channel and the podcast in general. So, I mean, uh, I personally haven't heard anything. No, I agree.
0: It has been good. Folks have been very nice. Lots of kind comments and. A lot of people saying they found the YouTube channel because of the podcast. And uh, so I'm very, very thankful for that. I will say, though, one good thing about podcasting is that
1: there isn't a YouTube comment section. So (laughs) so that's kind of a blessing. There was even somebody that found our friend Coolor who does our podcast intro. Oh, really? From the podcast. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. I think that's so freaking cool. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that I've found, too, and I I always kind of knew just because having I've had small scale podcasts for a while and promoting them has always been kind of rough because at first I was like, well, we'll do this podcast. We'll record it. It'll go out on Spotify and Apple and iTunes. And at that point, you're kind of separated from feedback. There's no right. There's nothing there. And so we also would put them up on YouTube. But then like no one, no one would ever listen to them or watch them there. And so I think there is a separation between a YouTube audience and a podcast audience. And I think that's something we're kind of finding out here with what we're doing.
1: I don't know. Is that something we should be doing? Should we be putting this podcast on YouTube or should I, we just put that I, out to the audience right now? I mean, or like, yeah, I don't how know. should that work? I, I think it would make more sense for us to do that than some
0: other podcasts, just because I think obviously 98% of our audience was, is baked in to YouTube. Oh, sure. Already? Yeah um but i i don't know I, I they might not want it on your main feed
1: oh yeah i suppose well i i would guess not yeah they're probably already annoyed with me <laughs> putting out reminders and stuff like that hey here's a new podcast up. but um yeah i don't know uh maybe we should start a youtube channel or something like that maybe people will leave a comment oh, man, uh, maybe. With, with maybe we'll get some feedback for once from somebody <laughs> somewhere at drunkfredpodcast. at gmail.com. That's right. Okay, so
0: we got all the plugs out of the way. We voiced okay, we're happy with this podcast. We're comfortable doing it. We want more mean comments and more nice comments to to to, to feel <laughs> Please, like we're popular. We want
1: some ridiculously mean comments. Like be, <laughs> be comical, like in your like you know, we we want like Disney villain oh yeah, like ridiculousness here come on step it up people absolutely
0: uh but something shareably nice don't go too far <laughs> or shareably mean rather um yeah so w- you and i had talked and, and it's weird we you and i started a podcast with very little rapport prior it was kind of like you know i i think w- we had talked to, on a podcast previously and i had sent you some messages over patreon It was like hey do you mind if i rip you off for my own youtube channel and you were kind about that but we had never really had a conversation that was i don't know kind of outside of being
1: recorded um oh sure yeah and so we, we over- No we talked on Twitter a couple times a couple times least. yeah when when Dar- that one time when Daria interrupted us <laughs> as she is want to do um but we we were
0: chatting we I guess we got tired of being like hey when can you record who do we want to get for this podcast we were like hey man do you like wrestling and i was like yeah dude I I well I did in the '90s and you're like yeah me too and of course I knew you did because in your Discord you have a channel devoted to it so I was like yeah you know he's, this guy's this guy's in on that and so I thought it'd be cool if we just maybe talked about some some wrestling games from back in the day and maybe break into a little bit about memories with pro wrestling I don't want to ostracize the audience I know wrestling's not for everybody so we'll try to keep it accessible but what got you into the wild world of of wrestling?
1: Well, I'm, you know, as I said, I'm from Minnesota, um, and growing up in the 1980s, it was, uh, the territory days. Like nowadays it's just like WWE and then there's these smaller, much, much, much smaller offshoot productions of like AEW and whatever else. Whereas back in the day, back in the late eighties, you know, when I started watching TV, you know, mid eighties, late eighties, when I started watching TV, it was, uh, it was still the territory days of wrestling. So in Minnesota, it was the AWA, I think it was the American Wrestling Association, which was run by Vern Gagne. And uh, his son Greg Gagne conveniently was the star. Ah. <laughs> or one of the stars, I should say. Funny how that works in uh, like every wrestling federation. Oh, of course. It's a staple. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was my first exposure to it was the AWA with. I remember seeing Kurt Hennig before he was Mr. Perfect. Oh, wow. I remember seeing. Yeah, I remember seeing J- Jerry Lawler was there for a little while. Um, it, back in the day when it was a territory you know guys would kind of rotate like they would take turns almost it would be like okay i worked this territory people are sick of me and it's time for me to move to wherever else next right that's kind of how it was and there was this guy the trooper i have no idea who this dude was and i have no idea i i haven't even bothered to like research this now it's just kind of one of those like things that's just kind of stuck in my brain it was the trooper in the awa in like the late eighties in a, in a cage match, getting the crap kicked out of them. I'm at my grandma's house, like (laughs) watching TV. It's a Saturday and it's like, yeah, that's wrestling to me. Nice. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's, that's pro wrestling to me. The trooper, a guy in a mask, getting the crap kicked out of him by like five guys in a cage. The crowd's booing my grandma's not paying attention, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching on a crappy 13 inch TV. Yeah, that's that's pro wrestling right there, and that's where it started for you.
0: Huh?
1: Um, that's the very beginning. Yeah, I remember when I first the I, I guess the start for me at WWF was on the school bus. Um, or I guess before that, it would have been um when we first got cable, and I can pinpoint when we uh. We had to have gotten cable for the first time back in like January or February or March of 1990 because we had Cablevision at the time. And they had this channel. It was Channel 60. And they had this channel that was nothing but uh, previews of their pay-per-view movies and their pay-per-view events. And I remember it was like Razor Ruddock versus some other boxer guy and then this movie and then this Playboy special or whatever. (laughs) And then it would be the WWF somehow would get like Mean Gene on there for like three straight minutes. Wow. To like hype the next event. And he sold the hell out of WrestleMania six. It was champion versus champion title for title Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. And holy crap. I was like 100% in on this i didn't care who won i just wanted to see it but i could i couldn't convince my parents to get it so on the school bus the day after the event happened the morning after um this kid tyler was the only kid that got the event and he was telling everybody the results people were just like shouting out matches like Wow! Who won Demolition? Colossal Connection? He was like Demolition won the title. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. That's awesome. And he was given details of the title match. And I'll never—I I was would have been 1990. Would have been third grade. So I—I I have a very clear memory of that. It was super cool. And I was absolutely sold. I was getting magazines after that. I was getting. I was watching every week. I was doing every. Th- I was doing all the things. What about you? Where? How did you start? Yeah, my, my older cousin,
0: who he's a, he's just a year older than me, but he was really, really into it from a really young age. And I, I don't really know how or why. I think it was because in our area, you, you talked about the AWA. In our little area, we had the Smoky, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was actually ran by Jim Cornette. The, yes! Was it Mouth of the <laughs> South? Is that what they call him? No, that was Jimmy Hart. Oh, that was, yeah, that's right. I don't—
1: th- I, I can't remember what Jim Cornette's nickname was, but he had the tennis racket. Yeah. and the, He's just yeah, loud and obnoxious. And he actually, I looked oh, him yeah. up
0: earlier. He still has a podcast where he just doesn't take a <laughs> breath for an hour and a half. It's insane. But yeah, I remember him uh, actually being at the shows. And what's really strange, and I, I've talked about this on a couple podcasts that we've done, or, or maybe the first uh, first or second one, my town was really, really tiny. I mean, not even the biggest yeah. town in the county. It's it's so small. But for some reason, uh, we would get the Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, Tour would stop by and perform at our high school. And so Whoa. my cousin would tell his dad that, who would tell my dad that, and then I would tag along, not really knowing what I was going to. I was too young to really be talked into it. I didn't like wrestling like as described to me. like I, I just wasn't into it. But then when I got to see it, it was like this larger than life thing. It was, you know, obviously also got cotton candy, which helps the sell. But, <laughs> and I remember seeing like the, uh, was it called like the Rock and Roll Express? I think those were my favorite.
1: Oh yeah, I, Ricky and Bobby. Yeah, my favorite dudes. And of course, Jim Cornette. Was it Ricky? Be- oh, wait, no, not Ricky and Bobby. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. <Yeah. laughs> I'm thinking Ricky Bobby. I would just it's say Ricky yes to Morton. Anything. Ricky Morton. <laughs> Ricky Morton, and I forget the other guy's name. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know I, Robert. Bob Gibson I think. Robert Gibson yeah that you got it yeah I was I was kind of right yeah. yeah almost Bobby I mean Ricky Bobby you're right I think that's right Ricky Bobby uh, yeah that's what I was thinking <laughs> uh, yeah yeah we're right um so
0: so yeah like those guys that was awesome and seeing that in my town
1: blew me away because this is like that's amazing yeah it was incredible. especially on a small town oh yeah that's pretty cool. that had to have been like the biggest deal ever oh
0: absolutely it blew it blew my mind that anything would come to my town and then for it to be that cool because those guys would also perform and they would i guess um air the tapings on saturday mornings on like local television so i could see those same guys on tv and seeing at that age seeing someone that you'd seen in the flesh on tv was nuts like whoa it's like seeing you know if you saw like the weatherman downtown you'd be like oh my god (laughs) that's the guy that's on tv every day like there's just something about that to a kid so that actually hooked me a little bit but i still didn't follow the big stuff yet like i just knew that sometimes downtown there was wrestling and dad would take me to it i could have been six or seven so i didn't really get big picture wrestling but my cousin he helped facilitate the big stuff because he would get the magazines and then he would just bring over pictures of dudes and be like <laughs> telling me who they were. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Um, so <laughs> he kind of drugged me into it because I think he wanted somebody to experience it with, and I was the next yeah. gullible kid, you know, in te- you know around that he could uh, he could entrap. But man, I got I got hooked.
1: Yeah. Wh- what was what was your first uh, WWF? Sh- uh, was it WWF or NWA or WCW? It was actually or-
0: WCW. It was uh, Starcade '93. And you went to
1: Starcade '93. I didn't go to it. Oh, i, I'm sorry. I It was the
0: first thing I've ever <laughs> I'd ever seen, and my yeah, that would be amazing if I just got to go to Starcade out of the blue. But no, I was uh, it was like a December '93, I think, and I wasn't told what was going on. My mom was like, "Your cousin and your aunt and uncle, they want you to, you you know, whatever. They want you to come over, and you're going to stay the night on a Sunday night, and we'll come get you in the morning when your dad goes to work." And I was like, what? The sleepover? Like, I didn't have a hand in the sleepover. I was kind of being coaxed into it. And I went and my cousin was there. They made me nachos and cheese and they sat me down. It's like they wanted me to be in the wrestling, you know? They like sat me out in front of the TV and was like, listen, your cousin Charlie loves this and he needs someone to love it with. And we're making you do this. <laughs> and what kind of cheese was it? Was it Velveeta? It was Velveeta, but it, it had some spice to it and I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> oh, alright, alright, alright.
0: Yeah, I was That's I was good. eight. I have vivid memory of this night too. This was incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because in the in the Smoky Mountain stuff, the drama, uh, it didn't really hit me. Like I didn't really they they got on the microphones oh, and sure each yeah. other, but I didn't really care. But there's something about the WCW that felt serious. And yeah. the Starcade ninety three was when Ric Flair was gonna wrestle Big Van Vader. And if Vader, he lost that's right.
1: he was yeah. out, I think. He was gonna retire if he lost. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the guy like in the match, it's like his teeth get knocked out, or at least they they fake it to where you think that. And they have his family out there afterward, like they were dressed for his funeral. Like it was serious and it kinda scared me. Like as a little <laughs> kid, I was like, Holy shit, man, wrestling's this is nuts. I bought into <laughs> all that and
1: I was hooked yeah. for
0: probably the next eight years.
1: 8 years. So you you suffered through the mid 90s then of WCW WWF all that. Did, did you did you watch both or did you just watch one or the other or did you stick with Smoky Mountain? <laughs> I think I once I saw the big the big
0: stuff, I saw that Smoky Mountain was was Smoky Mountain the small time. Yeah. Uh, but it was, was cool. Smoky Mountain stuff. <laughs> like within like a year Jim Cornette was on like a WWF he was you know it's it not yeah
1: he was he was uh yokozuna's manager yeah I think. yeah
0: and i saw uh, yeah that was like he you know against lex luger that whole thing that was great um yep but yep. yeah i think for me the games and we're, this is what we're trying to get to the games helped keep me in it through that because mid- we got a lot of super nintendo stuff sega genesis stuff right there
1: oh yeah the wrestling video games of course this is a gaming podcast yeah and that's what kept me <laughs> in it honestly
0: i I wasn't as into it as when I first started or toward like the NWO in uh, WCW thing that really hooked me. But that middle mid 90s between, I guess, 93 and 96 or so, I was pretty exclusively a WWF kid. And I think it was because of the okay. games.
1: Oh, well, I don't play it, if I remember playing uh, WrestleMania, their kid game as a kid. And it was kind of I was kind of disappointed in it because it was so cartoony. Mm-hmm. But. At the same time, the graphics were pretty freaking cool because it did the Mortal Kombat thing with the, um, the characters where it was like, f- I forget the term. I always forget these terms. I'm so bad with them. The photorealistic thing. Oh the, yeah, uh,
0: Kinda like, I, I just call what- it the Donkey Kong thing. <laughs> Whatever that was.
1: But yeah, it was, and it had the cartoonish aspect to it too. With where when you when you uh, punched Bret Hart, you got a bunch of hearts out of him. You punched Razor Ramon, you got a bunch of razors and gold chains out of him. Right. And it was super, super goofy and weird. But um, I have a funny story about um, how I got into... Or rather, how I was... uh, I stayed away from wrestling video games for a little while. Okay. So when I... First got my Super Nintendo as a Christmas present. I shouldn't say my. It was our... It was ours, mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know she's listening. Somewhere. Um, When we first got that Super Nintendo, we just had Mario World and Final Fight. And I think my dad got... Ended up getting like one other game. I can't remember what it would have been. I think it was the first John Madden football. But still, I was... uh, I'm, I was born in the spring, so the nice thing about Christmas is that I get to like plan my gift strategy. Okay. Like, okay, I got this for Christmas, so I can come around and get this for my birthday. So I got Mario World and Final Fight, and then I got Madden, I think it was Madden, Madden Football, so I can come around. I want to get WWF Super WrestleMania for my birthday. And I was so looking forward to it, because I was so burnt out on Mario World, and I, I was playing it to death. I was playing Final Fight to death. I was so sick of these games. I was renting like Contra 3 and stuff like that, which was blowing my mind at the time. But right. I really wanted to like sink my teeth into a wrestling game because I was obsessed with wrestling at this point. So I got Super WrestleMania, and that game is awful. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. And every wrestler has the same moves. And, like, they all have the same elbow drops. They all have the same animations. I mean, the sprites are different. The only redeeming value in these games, or in this game, rather, is uh, the fact that each character's uh, music is in it. Oh, right, yeah. You get to hear Sid Justice's music in 16-bit. You get to hear Hulk Hogan's music, or Macho Man, or uh, Legion of Doom. That was cool. Here, Like, I held my tape recorder in front of the TV speakers and put them <laughs> put that music on a, a tape that's awesome yeah so I could I I want that was like all the game was worth to me because it was so like I got sick of that game within 10 minutes yeah. and even when I tried to like do something with it like okay I'm gonna make my own pay-per-view I'm gonna have Undertaker versus Ted DiBiase I'm gonna have Legion of Doom versus Natural Disasters I'm gonna have Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man you know, I'd use my imagination to, like, the the best I could. Even then, it was like, oh, my God, every guy does the same freaking thing. Yeah,
0: and close it out with a Survivor series that takes, like, 30 minutes to finish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, eight guys, and they all have the life bars, and they regenerate, oh. and it's like, oh, my God, like, this is never going to end. Yeah, but when Royal Rumble came out... Oh, man. For Super Nintendo and for Sega Genesis, both versions... Holy crap, that was a freaking quantum leap forward. Yes. Because then you've got finishers. You've got... this. The game is like 10 times faster. You've got so many more moves. You've, you can choke a guy. <laughs> yeah. You can... Uh, I mean, you can have all of the wrestlers
0: in the ring at once. Like it would do that.
1: Oh yeah, you could the Royal Rumble mode. Yeah, where it's everybody in the mode in the ring at once, and you can just throw them over the top rope. That was awesome. I loved that. Yeah, that was a game changer for me, big time. So, and then Raw was even better, but I didn't like the roster of wrestlers at the time. uh, Which is funny because when I did uh, the video on wrestling games which is uh, like forever ago holy crap it would have been almost uh four and a half years ago now i think Uh, and i'm still getting comments about this by the way um (laughs) i i said some derogatory comments about like not liking the raw roster because it had one two three kid and bam bam bigelow and people still send me comments like how dare you Bam Bam's a legend. And I'm like, I'm not saying he's he's garbage. I'm saying I didn't like him. Like, okay. Like, I didn't care for ba- Bam Bam. lost to Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania 11. Okay. Like, <laughs> I didn't think that much of him. I always thought that game was crazy because it had Luna Vachon in it. Oh, yeah. She was the first woman yeah. to be in a wrestling game. Yeah. And she was a badass for yeah. sure. She was Mad Dog Vachon's daughter. I mean, Mad Dog Vachon's Minnesota, Minnesota represent. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of Minnesota, represent one two three kid that Sean Waltman That's He's hilarious. from he I forget which city he's from, but he's from Minnesota. And it's like I I didn't like the character one two three kid. I thought he was lame as hell. Right. And I liked him much better as he progressed through his career. Sure. So, yeah. People still yell at me about that. It's pretty funny.
0: Yeah. That was the that was the thing though. I always thought it was strange that Doink kept being in games. <laughs> I was really doink like he's not doink and dink were fun to watch but they weren't really that prevalent they were very rarely in pay-per-views they were kind of here and there I think doink was like 10 different wrestlers throughout the uh the course of WWF (laughs) I wasn't upset about it but looking back it's
1: like was he really that popular to be in a video game I guess no I don't know know. (laughs) was there that much of demand for doink back in the day probably not (laughs) I don't think so he was also um, in the uh, um, the arcade game too. I think WrestleMania the arcade. Yeah, game. he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in the day, he was Matt Bourne, and then the guy that played him left. Right. Uh, Matt Bourne left, and then he got replaced by like some guy named Ray. I can't remember the last name. Some it's like eleven letters long. It starts <laughs> with like a C. I think. Uh, r- wrestling fans are yelling at me right now. It's his name is blah blah blah. I actually looked Whatever. it up the other day,
0: and I don't remember. So. <laughs> I have the freshest freshest information on Doink the Clown, and I still couldn't tell you. You heard it here first, folks. The
1: freshest information on Doink the Clown. Ray Apollo. I we He went
0: by it. Ray Apollo, but Ray Licamelli. Licamelli.
1: Oh, there we go. Yeah. Ray Licamelli. <laughs> am I going to remember that? I don't know. Oh, that's funny. What was your first wrestling video game? Uh actually it was royal rumble that was the first one um, that was the first one you
0: started off strong yeah definitely i i dipped into the other ones later i didn't even have the nes ones being the nes guy my um my cousin my older cousin he he would rent them and then he would tell me they were ass and told me not to play them and yeah. i just believed him and he was right they're not great Yeah, for the most part <laughs> yeah i did a video on it there's there some that are better than others but none that are really that uh that outstanding but yeah. uh, Royal Rumble was the one that I sunk the most teeth into, and I think he had Raw, so I went over to his house and we would play that. And I remember that one being a little more arcadey than uh, Royal Rumble. Like at least it would it would do the the finishing moves were kind of, uh, you know, greater th- or bigger than life. They weren't truly represented. Like, I think yeah. one two three Kid, he would, like, jump on all four turnbuckles and then do something. I can't remember exactly, but I remember that being kind of cool. But, you know, I didn't—I just—when it came to video games, I liked Royal Rumble enough, but I was really into sports games during that era. So I would watch wrestling, but I didn't really get into the games as much until I think the late 90s WCW-NWO thing really got me wanting to— Put my own wrestler in the game and that kind of thing. So that's where we right. took off from there, yeah.
1: At that point you had fifth generation consoles like uh that were putting out games like WCW Revenge, mm-hmm. uh WWF No Mercy, that sort of thing. Yeah. And those those games were amazing, yeah. Did, at the time. Did you play a ton of those? Um, I did play my game was WrestleMania two thousand. Okay. I just kind of ended up with that. I and I really liked it at the time. I loved um that you could go so far in depth with customizing your own move set and doing all sorts of stuff. I'm sure I mean there's a whole subculture of wrestling fans that are obsessed with those games and that game engine. Yeah, that can like talk about it in way more in depth than either of us ever could, but I really liked uh, WrestleMania 2000 back in the day, just like messing around with it. I had my own character and all that sort of stuff. And it's got a great roster because that was, uh, it's got like Shane McMahon and all that. Right. (laughs) It's got all the great characters from the late 90s. So I I liked it a lot. Yeah. In the late 90s, I was
0: almost exclusively uh, WCW. And it's largely because of the NWO. And I think I actually, some like, just stroke of luck got into it right before the NWO happened. So I got like that whole wave of, you know, when WCW was just untouchable. And then when the WWF attitude era started up, I really was such a good kid. I thought it was too raunchy for me. Like, and I was in <laughs> high school too, but there was something about it, I'm like, nah, it's they're too sexy. I can't. I just can't. want to stick so to WCW.
1: So you were, you were into, by the way, we should preface that w- neither of us follow wrestling currently right <laughs> no idea
0: who's in there now
1: i've i hear about names being tossed around i look i know who brock lesnar is sure. because he's from minnesota mostly because he's from minnesota <laughs> uh i love brock he's one of my all-time favorites um and i know who john cena is and daniel bryan i know who uh i don't know i
0: mean the other taker he's still kicking around
1: Oh, Undertaker. Yeah, 89-year-old
0: Undertaker. That's still one around. cool thing I will say about modern wrestling is that unlike sports, uh, your favorite wrestlers from <laughs> when you were a kid are either dead or still wrestling. So that's, that's yeah. kind of fun.
1: They still bring them and back. I think golf is a little bit like that, too. It's like, oh, there's uh, every, every like, Master Sunday, it's like, oh, there's Fred Couples kicking around, and he, he, they cut to him, and he's got, like, all gray hair, and he's got that same lazy-looking swing, and it's like, oh, my God, what is he doing still playing? It's
0: <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, golfers just don't <laughs> go away. Golf reference, yes. The I love that. The, the, res- the people that were fans of wrestling that dialed this... Podcast
1: way up, or like what golf? All of a sudden, dude. I could, I could talk. I, I'm talking Bernhard Langer, talking Kuppels, I'm talking Fred Couples, I'm talking Sevi Ballesteros. Jeez. I can go on and on about golf. Please don't. My dad watched a ton of golf when I was a kid. I had no choice, gotcha. I had no choice but to like it because my dad loved it. There you go. My dad didn't
0: watch anything, so <laughs> but he was very actually about wrestling. I remember him trying to talk me out of it. He's like, it's fake. That's what he would just say. F- like, he would just walk into the room I was watching it, yell, it's fake, fake. and then just leave.
1: <laughs> it's fake. I know that, Dad. That sounds like a Mike Judge story. <laughs> it's true. Like, something from, like, King of the Hill or
0: something. It's fake. It's kind of <laughs> a funny story because um, my dad, he he was really into football. He didn't watch it on TV, but, like, he grew up playing football, and he got me into football and he we were the football guys and then my cousin who liked wrestling and his dad were more into wrestling and i was like talking to my cousin i was like my dad actually hates wrestling and he thinks it's fake and uh my cousin was like well my dad hates football and i was like does he think it's fake cuz that's stupid and i remember thinking like <laughs> the only excuse he or only excuse he could have for hating football was that he thought it was fake just to match my dad's hate of wrestling. And I remember just my whole life thinking, I can't believe that guy thinks football's fake. He never said that. I just baked that into my brain. You just assume that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how can you think that's fake? Watch that. That's so real. That's true. Kids are stupid.
1: <laughs> oh, the rationalizations you make just because, like, you just assume stuff. It's fantastic. I love yeah. it. It's pretty ridiculous. The big thing I got into. And this this is this is funny for a number of reasons. Um, well, it is to me anyway. (laughs) Um, the Macho Man Randy, I guess he was the Macho King. Oh, really? Randy Savage at the time. Yeah, he was Macho King at the time. This was nineteen ninety. Uh, and he was trying to challenge the Ultimate Warrior to a title fight, and meanwhile, Ultimate Warrior was refusing. And decided instead to defend against the million dollar man Ted DiBiase on Saturday night's main event. This would have been in like December 1990 or sometime after Survivor Series. And he, you know, he kicked the crap out of DiBiase, obviously. And he was getting ready to do the Gorilla Press finishing move. Here comes, and I'm watching this on my dad's, I think my parents were watching Dallas or something (laughs) like that. I'm not even kidding. they are watching like Dallas or like dynasty or some crap like that. I'm watching this in my dad's room on his like tiny black and white TV. on like channel, 3, you know, channel four or whatever. I'm barely getting the, the picture in. So it's like super grainy and bleary. Here comes macho King, Randy Savage sprinting to the ring, beating the ever loving crap out of ultimate warrior. Vince McMahon's, sp- screaming and freaking out on commentary here's sensational queen sherry is kicking him while he's down and warrior can't get up and then there's like of course you know a wrestling staple there's like 20 referees in the ring trying to stop macho man and he just climbs the top rope and jumps over all of them and lands the el- i don't f- i forget if it was the elbow or if he's like landing his king's scepter Onto the warrior. I think it was the, the scepter. I remember he, he had something in his hands. He like lands on the warrior with it. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy is crazy. <laughs> like this guy is legitimately crazy. Nobody can stop this guy because he's legitimately crazy. So
0: that stuck with you.
1: So I had to keep watching because like this this guy, this guy could do anything he wants because he's crazy. He's a crazy person. <laughs> like nobody can stop him because there's all these people trying to wrangle him up and nobody's stopping him. Wow. And he's just like running around, and I'm just like holy. I was just enchanted. Like, and we ended up getting the Royal Rumble '91 pay per view. Um, the which uh came after that, and Macho Macho King came out. What he was known as then, right? <laughs> Macho King came out after that. Smashed the crap out of Warrior with like stuff with like lights and stuff like. Made out to like make the ring look nice or something like that. He like beat the (laughs) crap out of like the set pieces. And then, uh, Sergeant Slaughter ended up beating Warrior for the title. And so that ended up leading to Warrior and Savage in a career ending match at WrestleMania 7 in 1991. And that's probably my favorite match ever that I've ever seen in my life. I'm biased because I was like not even 9 years old yet when i right. saw it but it was like the most amazing thing i'd ever seen i was in just in awe of the whole thing it was crazy so you either have an incredible memory or you've <laughs> seen that
0: a lot did you is this one of the things that you recorded and rewatched over and over again
1: oh the wrestlemania was no i i didn't have i wasn't lucky enough to record the saturday nights main event thing wow Good memory. Yeah, but the Wrestlemania 7, yeah, no, I've, that tape is worn (laughs) out, yeah, for sure. Nice.
0: I think, uh, you mentioned Royal Rumble, I think that's my favorite pay-per-view event. There's just something about, like, the Last Man Standing thing that always appealed to me. I just love that stuff.
1: Super fun, yeah. Yeah,
0: and even in the game, I would, (laughs) like, after I would throw everybody out, I would really fixate on the times and be like, oh, it was about a minute between Undertaker and and the other guy. I wonder what I was doing for that whole minute. I need to get
1: my <laughs> need to get my act together. That was great. What a bonus that was too. To have like the actual eliminations timed like that was so unexpected. I was like, yeah, Whoa. that was cool. That's that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I've always been a fan of the even when I was really into WCW and WO, I would still watch the Royal Rumble. And actually, I think my first memory of The Rock was from the Royal Rumble. He was still Rocky Maivia. Ah. He came out, and, and I think he threw Stone Cold out, who had been in there for like 30 minutes or something.
1: Oh, right on, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. That would have been probably 99, I would think, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, 98, 99, something like that. Yeah. Ni- or
1: 98, maybe, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, 90s wrestling. Wow,
1: what a th- 90s wrestling, what a thing. <laughs>
0: so, let's see, we're see, we're getting pretty close to where we have to answer some listener questions. Maybe we could do a wrestling part, too, but... I wanted to pose the question to you, and maybe this sort of will tie up a lot of our 90s uh, likes, dislikes, favorites, memories, that kind of thing. If you could make a five-man wrestling faction from 90s wrestlers, who would be in the crew? Who's
1: your top five? Oh, man. Jeez. Um, Well, my one of my favorites was Bret Hart from The, the get-go. I wasn't a big Hulk Hogan guy, and I wasn't a big Ultimate Warrior guy because they were too— I mean, I I, I just kind of accepted them, right? They're just <laughs> as who they were. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah, they were just like kind of there as like, well, they're forces of nature. There's nothing I can do about them. That was me. They were just already everyone's favorite,
0: and I wanted somebody yeah. a little different.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I want somebody somebody a little different. And British Bulldog was like that. Bret Hart was like that. Uh, Shawn Michaels was like that at first, back when he first uh, broke up with Marty Jannetty back in the. Uh, Uh, the infamous rockers breakup let's uh, well austin's got to be in there i i love steve austin like i still watch his youtube videos and stuff so he's got to be in there um i and i love the rock he's hilarious he's it's impossible not to like legend it's it yeah and i bret hart's a little polarizing because he's kind of a as they say in the in the in this business as triple h would say (laughs) uh (laughs) Bret Hart's a bit of a mark for himself, but I still like Bret Hart because he's he's a big reason why I like wrestling. Because he's he made it. He was such a contrast from Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. That was such a steep transition. uh, Because he they gave him the belt after Hogan left in '92. Yeah, that was a big deal. I was like, holy crap, this tag team guy is a (laughs) is champion. It's like I gotta check this out, and he's like defending the title against like freaking Virgil, and like all these <laughs> other guys. And I'm like, what? So he, I am biased towards Bret Hart. So, so Bret, Rock, Austin, um, I gotta go uh, Undertaker, just because he scared the ever loving crap out of me when I was a kid when he first came out in 1990. Even when he was just wearing purple and didn't dye his hair. Yeah, when he was a yeah, he had like red hair and he had like kind of a mullet. Yeah and he was really he's really scary like he was so into his character oh yeah he still really. is and <laughs> i guess so yeah he um my childhood friends saw him and like ran literally ran sprinted over to my house just so he could talk <laughs> about him wow like when he saw when he first saw him on like wrestling challenge on like some random saturday morning or something that's awesome he just like showed up at my door like minutes after <laughs> undertaker showed up i was like holy crap like how'd you get it's like did you see undertaker i was like yeah um so undertaker's number four. Oh, number five i'm gonna go owen hart number five just because wow. i don't think he gets enough love and i think owen w- could do it all i think he was great in the ring i think i thought he was hilarious yeah as a, a you know both intentionally and unintentionally <laughs> I,
0: I think my issue with owen was that he was for me he was sort of a lifelong heel and so, and yeah. I was always a, I
1: don't know what, what's the opposite of heel. I was always a baby face, uh, baby face guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. you weren't around for when he was part of, uh, high energy with Coco beware. Yeah. I must've missed that he, one. They were the, they wore the baggy pants uh, like three of you out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. It was a very short lived tag team.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a good list. Um, actually at the top of my list, also Bret Hart, he was my favorite wrestler as a kid. Yeah. And I think I can He ju- would have been a
1: he would have been a very much a WCW guy. He from like the early 90s. He was very much a a wrestler's you know, he he was a no-nonsense guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. And what do they call him like the something the essence of execution or whatever it was the uh, the excellence, excellence of execution of est- yeah because and yeah. You know, just the ins- some of the insider stories was that like he was just so good at his craft like if you wrestle Bret Hart you had nothing to worry about it was always Yeah yeah her- everybody really
1: had a sh- a ton of respect for the guy so yeah And also superficially
0: he was just perfectly 90s cool like Ultimate <laughs> Warrior and Hogan were 80s cool and Bret Hart That's was That's just- right. Yeah, he didn't he didn't talk a whole lot. He had the sunglasses, he had the the guitar squelch coming in. I mean, it was just 90s cool. Yeah, That's
1: it. an excellent point. Yeah. He had the sunglasses. He had the greasy hair. He mm-hmm. had the leather jacket and the pink and black. The yeah, that was definitely a nineties vibe for sure. Absolutely. I think number two for me would have to be Ray Mysterio.
0: So oh, fun to watch. Oh, okay. So fun to watch that dude. Uh Yeah, that guy was amazing. Oh, incredible. And I remember like nearly crying when they were going to try to pull his mask off. I was like, "Don't oh, do no. it." Oh no.
1: When <laughs> I think it was a Chris Jericho that was going to do that. Something
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, his matches with Eddie Guerrero were amazing. Oh yeah, both those guys were really talented. Yeah. Uh Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. I oh! Just love <laughs> Hacksaw. Hacksaw. He was in the Genesis uh Royal Rumble game. Oh
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and he didn't. You know, he never really had a ton of beefs. He didn't have a lot of mic time, but just the two by four and the yelling nonsense was enough for <laughs> me, man.
1: Reminded me of my <laughs> uncle's Randy. <laughs> the baby. yelling nonsense is exactly right. It's just him just shouting randomly. No! Yeah, no!
0: <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. it
0: uh, right macho on. Man. I you got to put Macho Man up. You know there.
1: what? I totally forgot about Macho. Man. Macho Man's like my all-time favorite, and I totally just left him out to dry. It's hard I to pick totally a top five. Yeah, it's top fives are tough, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm taking out Owen and putting Macho Man. I'm moving Macho Man straight to the top. Okay, fair enough. Because he he could do it all. He he was a good. Uh, he was a great good guy. He was a great bad guy. He was crazy as hell. Yeah, and he was just fun to watch. He was just. Uh, Incredibly eccentric, yeah. And he got me hooked on Slim Jims,
0: so <laughs> have him to blame for my high sodium. uh And then <laughs> last for me would be Roddy Piper. Anytime I heard those bagpipes, I'd. Get oh, excited. that's a great one. Just hearing yes. him come out,
1: yeah. So that's that's my five. That'd be a good faction. That'd be an excellent. Fa- I think your faction would beat my faction. I, I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> Bret Hart versus Bret Hart is tough to <laughs> divvy up. That'd be a weird one, I, but you can do that on the video games. And Macho Man versus Macho Man, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm so disappointed in myself. I forgot about Macho. I got I was trying to think of everybody else but Macho Man, and I forgot to list him. That's okay. We got Ugh. to talk about Owen Hart, which was important. No, Owen deserves more cred. He really does. That guy's amazing. Now,
0: to to bring it down a little bit, were you watching the pay per view where we where Owen had the uh,
1: the incident? I was not, but my mom woke me up. Um, I was a senior in high school. No, I would have been a junior in high school. It was like, no, I don't know. It would have been May 1999, I think, is when it happened. So um, I think I would have been out of school, actually. And she woke me up at like 6 a.m., like asking me, Do you know who Owen Hart was? I was like, What? Yeah. And she was like, well, he died last night. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? He died last night. She's like, he died in the ring. I was like, I was like, holy crap. What? I ran to the basement to, we had AOL in those days and to see what the hell happened. And back, back then we had the, the here's, here's, here's an interesting tidbit for you. I did not understand the internet. Basically. <laughs> I only understand it. AOL. <laughs> So I only knew of like the WWF AOL site, so to speak. It's kind of like its own proprietary thing okay. where you don't, you just click on stuff. You just log into AOL and you just click on icons and you just navigate your way through the internet that way. Like there's no typing in URLs. There's no bookmarks Uh, or any of that. And I went to the WWF Informer website, which is what I had basically like favorited as my like home site because i was there so often right and i saw it like front and center like owen hart like fell on a like failed stunt i was like i can't believe i just blew my mind that that could happen it was so freaking yeah it was yeah my mom (laughs) i was that into wrestling that my mom woke me up to yeah, that's crazy. Tell you
0: nailed it too. It was May May twenty third of nineteen ninety nine.
1: So yeah, yeah. It was the May because uh, it, it wasn't quite WrestleMania. It was like the event after, or like two events after. So it was yeah, it was somewhere around there. Right. Um, it was tough, man. I remember talking to everybody about school at school about it the next day, and it was there was at least uh, a couple other ki- kids there that were kind of. Like, how did that? Did that really happen? Like, how did that happen? Like, what the hell? Like, how did they let that happen? That eventually became the conversation. But that's a different thing entirely. Like, how how do you let something like that happen? <laughs> it's one of those things with,
0: with wrestling where you, yeah. you never know if it's true or not until your mom and dad are talking about it. <laughs> then yeah. It's like, oh, this made your news?
1: okay i think it was on the front page of the paper too i think
0: that's what alerted her to it yeah yeah because i mean you know wrestling stunts happen all the time things that should make the news shouldn't like there was i remember watching an an episode of nitro where scott steiner just kidnaps ddp's wife and leaves and i'm like that's probably going to make the news and it didn't so i was like that probably didn't happen (laughs) but when owen hart had his you know when that happened and I, i watched that in real time i was i my dad stole a crap, uh, uh, pay per view from from the cable company. I don't know how he did it, but we got it for free. I, you know, what are they gonna do now?
1: So you saw that? So you saw the announcers like tell the audience
0: the f- the fall they w- wasn't shown, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the announcers came back pretty forlorn. They they were certainly upset, but they moved yeah. on pretty quick. And that's really weird that they did that. Yeah. But I think there was an element of confusion with them as well. They didn't know, like, they they saw him rushed I'm out. Sure. I don't know that they immediately knew he had passed at that point. I don't yeah, know if anybody sure. Yeah, it was nuts, man.
1: That's crazy. I think you got to stop the show at that point, but that's just my opinion.
0: I, yeah, I know. I know. What a that's machine, crazy. though. Entertain,
1: the entertainment business.
0: Yeah, just crazy. Yeah, um, I'm sure we could talk about wrestling all night long. Um to, to the I certainly could listener's chagrin maybe even but maybe we should move into some <laughs> listener questions before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's do it. Okay the first one here is from Chrono Basher. Which sounds like what? a guy you might chrono like. Chrono Basher? Yeah. Well maybe he I was going to say maybe he's a basher within chrono, but maybe you're right, maybe he hates the game.
1: Maybe he hates Chrono Trigger. He could.
0: It could be one of those. Uh what would you suggest for p- promotion slash growth what did you do that helped
1: your channel grow? Well, what I did was I was lucky enough, I guess, to discover the Racket Boy community. Uh, for those that don't know, Racket Boy is a retro gaming community going back all the way to 99, I think. And th- Do you have them on your AOL bookmark list too? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That'd be freaking awesome. No, they, they've been around forever, so... Um, I forget when I found them. I wish I knew and game game facts was another one and game facts everybody, it's kind of a meme now that game facts is kind of toxic like talking to anybody there. but when I was posting on their forums, they were pretty cool to me <laughs> right So yeah, game facts and racket boy were the two main ones for me, but that's because I was like kind of a I was already kind of talking there and um, interacting with people there and commenting on other people's. Uh, content there but yeah racket boy um was something i was a part of going all the way back uh to the early 2000s um mid 2000s i forget when I, i i had one account i deleted it and i started my snes drunk account and that's i guess my best advice is to just like ingratiate yourself to a is that a word ingratiate it is right now and i like it Okay, I, I don't. I th- I feel like it is. I don't know if it is <laughs> ingratiate. Um, yeah, I'm gonna Google that right now. Ingratiate. Yeah, bring oneself into favor. There you go. Oh, okay, it is. Uh, it didn't feel like a word as I said it. It just. I'm just using context clues at the moment. Like, drunk friend. Yeah, <laughs> drunk friend. <laughs> okay, ingratiate is a word. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um. I, uh, yeah, I ingratiated myself to the racket boy community (laughs) (laughs) from like an early, you know, you, you got to like interact with other people's stuff basically. Like you can't just like go to a place and post your link and leave. Right. That's stupid. Why? Nobody has any incentive to care about anything you're posting. If you're doing that, it's spam. Yeah. So you need to be part of the community. You need to ingratiate yourself to a community And be part of it and become part of it, whether that's a subreddit, whether that's Racket Boy, whether that's Game Facts, or whatever else you can find. Nintendo Age is another one. I didn't even think of that until it was... I don't think Nintendo Age paid any attention to me, and I didn't really pay any attention to them. (laughs) They do sometimes. It depends.
0: Now Nintendo Age is no longer, which is maybe a good thing. But
1: uh... yeah, that's kind of weird because they had a great uh, buyer's guide that I like to use uh, well, now it is video gamesage.com. Oh, okay. And That's yeah. Everyone moved
0: over there. It was bought out. It was a whole messy thing. It was actually quite a bit of drama that was pretty juicy. I followed Super it. Super weird. Uh, all of the, I would say, all of the good members, and I, I <laughs> don't want to offend a lot of people out there, but there were a lot of bad members. Sure. That probably know who they are. Uh, all of the the good folk, I think, uh, moved on to Video Game Sage or video games age I never really clarified but it's spelled the same with video game s a g whatever you can do it however you want it's it's there's no way to know but yeah I was going to say like it's in your you alluded to this you have to in any community that you're a part of even if you're not sharing anything you should sell yourself before you sell your stuff and so it's important to be a presence in a community before you say hey check out what I've done cuz like you said if you just start spamming links everywhere that you think a lot of gamers are it's not going to be well received people don't like that so you're gonna get marked as spam yeah uh for me i just copied uh my favorite channel and just made videos just like theirs and then um that helped (laughs) the most because then they retweeted and stuff like that and then you end up on a podcast with them so oh right on y- you could you could follow that blueprint it's not it's it's not as common of a road but that's the one i went
1: down by the way have we said right on enough yeah i think <laughs> we should both say right on a few more times that's right that's right there was a comment there was a guy that didn't like it yeah we need we need more negative comments so we can dwell on those and make sure to <laughs> to harp on those a bit more right on right on yeah and i think you know being
0: versatile with where you promote uh, use Twitter, use Facebook, use Instagram. Don't just hang out in one spot. If something's not working, you know, you, you, there's something you need to fix. Um, it could be your content.
1: Yeah, exactly. Think about all that. Yeah, just make the stuff you want to see. Like that's kind of how what I set out to do is like I want to see really short to the point videos about you know games like Skyblazer or RunSaber or Super Castlevania 4 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's what I'm going to make. So just make the kind of stuff that you would want to see. Yeah. And if you're proud of it, that's that's a good sign. Yeah. So the next question then comes from, uh, I don't know if that's a lowercase L or an uppercase I. I don't know if that's Ivis M or Elvis M. Huh. It could be Ivis uh, Oh, there we go. Evisum. That would make sense. I don't know. Uh, they ask, "What game are you going back to right now that you played a long time ago while staying and working from home?"
0: Uh, well, I I don't replay stuff very often. That's my. Aww. I don't. I well, part of it. It's twofold, really. One is that I have a podcast about beating games, and so replaying games. Oh, kind of doesn't really satisfy that um, angle. Yeah. And I'm just not a, a redoer. I don't rewatch shows. I don't, you know, the only thing I'll I'll beat into the ground is music. But when it comes to games and oh, stuff, yeah, yeah. I don't often revisit it, unless it's sports or something that's short bite size. I don't do it often. But I will say, to answer the question, I have been playing a lot of Yakuza 0 because it was on Game Pass. And I've it's my <laughs> first entry into that series. And I think it's amazing.
1: I know that's not Retro. But it is so fun. That game looks incredible. Yeah, I really need to find that. I, I forget if that's PS4 or not. Is it? It's it's
0: on Xbox and PS4. Like I said, it's on Game Pass, so you can play it for, oh, for okay. you know free if you have Game Pass. Um, right on. It's incredible. I was imp- I was so surprised that a lot of people were talking about it. I didn't really know what to expect, and then now that I'm into it, it's easily one of my favorite game narratives. And you know the gameplay is is right. I, I'd
1: give that about a seven or an eight. I don't you know I don't know
0: but the story's so good so I'm enjoying that
1: yeah it looks super fun um, that's one ge- one game series I've always wanted to get into for sure um for me um I'm for some reason going back to one of my favorite games from my I guess childhood slash adolescence Blake stone aliens of gold I've been playing what? a ton of this on Steam what are you talking about uh, it's a <laughs> it's a first person shooter made uh i forget if it came after doom or before doom and after wolfenstein i forget what came out in 93 i don't know if that's yeah that's probably after doom um but it's it's a total doom ripoff but it's got this like really hilarious like early 90s sci-fi aesthetic to it that's incredibly fun and silly and there's all sorts of like goofy monsters and oh i see fun uh weapons you can use and yeah it's like a early ninety typical early 90s uh first person shooter stuff and that was what we had when we first bought our uh computer or we i should say my dad uh first bought uh A computer for us, and we got a trial version—I think a Shareware version—of Blake Stone. We only got the first mission, Uh but the game is supposed to come with six missions, or five, I think. And I've been playing through the rest of the missions. Oh wow! uh, As and they're long—they're nine levels long, and these are huge dungeons. That you know, it's typical Doom stuff. You find the key, you navigate the maze you confront the monster destroy him with whatever you manage your health you manage your ammo all that sort of stuff and it's super fun i i really enjoy the hell out of a good uh doom engine first person shooter like that it's they're just super fun I, I love the cover art oh yeah of course it's like something out of like a dolph lundgren like crappy sci-fi movie <laughs> like, yeah, sort of a thing. It's pretty awesome, and I also I don't
0: recognize the companies that were a part of this. Jam Productions and Apogee Software.
1: Well, Apogee I think has done a few things. Apogee did uh, Rise of the Triad, that was a pretty infamous um, first person shooter too. That came later, where uh, that was one that my brother got later on. That blew my freaking mind when I played it because instead of uh, a gun in front of you like doom you had just your hand and you were like casting spells and oh, stuff wow. like it was or something. it was freaking yeah it was awesome i loved it that's cool
0: yeah this year i i found an ad that's like the hottest 3d action since wolfenstein
1: <laughs> so that's cool <laughs> there you go that's awesome so yeah that's my game nice that's a good pull what 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 uh,
0: degrees of separation we have between Yakuza 0 and Blake Stone, Aliens of Gold. <laughs> My gosh. Okay, uh, next up, Hypnovike. He sounds like one of your people. <laughs> what game has aged better than you expected and what game has aged
1: worse than you expected? Aged better than I expected. Uh, that's a tough one to answer. Um, I will say what game has aged worse than I expected is definitely Star Fox because that game was... Incredible when I first played it, and I was. I, it, it was one of those like special games that felt like it was made just for me because it had that like Star Wars type music. You're a spaceship flying around, like you're using your imagination and all that sort of stuff. And it was super exciting and super fun. And you play it now, and it's that you know, it's all it's. I still think it's good. I'm probably biased when I say that, but it's uh definitely got its problems with frame rates and that sort of stuff aged better than i expected i guess puzzle games like single screen puzzle games like tetris attack and stuff like that because um at the time when they come out you're just kind of like eh we've already got tetris we've already got dr mario we've already got all this other stuff what do we need another puzzle game for but it's you go back to it and it's like whoa this game is freaking intense and it's super fun and I guess that would be my answer is is puzzle games like Tetris Attack and maybe Wario's Woods and stuff like that. Okay. I think
0: yeah, this this was so this one's kinda hard to answer. Um, but prior to this episode, I did quote unquote smoke the whole pack when it comes to wrestling <laughs> video games that I own. I oh like, yeah. I need to I need to refresh for this podcast, see what I got, see if I can remember anything. And so I'm going to just base my answers off wrestling games, HypnoVike. I hope that's okay. Oh, right on. Yeah. But game (laughs) that aged better than I expected. And this is just, it's almost a universal truth in that the 16 bit generation aged so much better than the 64 bit generation. I mean, that's just hands down across the board. People sort of recognize that, but I was impressed with how bad the N64 wrestling games were because I remember loving them so much. And oh, yeah. Especially in the time, I remember um, for, it just came out on PlayStation, but uh, WCW NWO Thunder. I remember oh, yeah. wanting that game so bad right. when they showed it.
1: I forgot Thunder wasn't even a thing. That was like yeah. their Thursday show, right?
0: Yeah, it was. Thursday yeah. Thursday Night Thunder. And <laughs> that's where I saw the advertisement for it. And among my friends, I was the only one that had a PlayStation. Everyone else had an N64. And when I learned that thing was number one exclusive to PlayStation and you could flip everyone's allegiances between NWO and WCW, (laughs) I almost lost my mind, my mind. And I remember begging my parents for this thing and I, I was probably 13, 14, but begging them for it. And we, they called and they were looking for it. They called Kmart, they called Walmart, they called all the local stores trying to get it. And my dad was supposed to come home with it and he tricked me in saying like "Ah, they didn't have it But then he pulls it out of his coat pocket and i (laughs) squeal
1: my dad did that same thing (laughs) it's like out of the dad playbook
0: (laughs) the dads they're so good (laughs) that that game aged okay uh but a lot of the ones that we played on n64 revenge and uh nitro just not no bueno
1: just all, not not unplayable but i think revenge is still good but nitro yeah i i get what you're saying where like nitro is freaking trash like that game is yeah. garbage i think revenge is still decent it's okay yeah like i said
0: like it's playable but it my memories of it and you know how memories are oh of course the- yeah I was like, wow, we played this with just binging Mountain Dew and Doritos for hours,
1: <laughs> and I can't tell the difference between any of these guys. It's definitely still jank, like where you yeah. like pick up the stairs, and you're like fading <laughs> in and out of the ring somehow, and it's like, what is even happening right now? Or the way you pick up stuff from outside the ring. And it causes yeah. your character to like sort of come off the screen a little bit, or start shaking and uncontrollably, or whatever it might happen. I don't know, but yeah, yeah.
0: I was playing that a few minutes ago, actually. Revenge, and it would glitch out, and just my all of both wrestlers in the ring would just ping pong off every <laughs> turnbuckle until it settled down. So that was fun. That sounds fun.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah,
0: it was kind of neat. I tried to record it with my phone, but it would stop when I tried. But. <laughs>
1: uh those didn't age as well as i had hoped um but i expected that there were a bunch of wrestling games that didn't age well like nitro was definitely one of them what was the other one that was oh war zone i was gonna say it was a wwf1 that for n64 it was and it had austin on the cover and it was called mm-hmm. war that game yep. is terrible like just <laughs> awful uh, like I don't know what bummer. they were thinking of, like it was even bad back then but back then it was just like it was like Super WrestleMania you're just happy to have like the wrestlers likeness and their music and all that stuff yeah pretty
0: much yeah and and then better than I expected I, I played through a little bit of the uh, Royal Rumble that I have on Super Nintendo and had a blast so those games
1: still hold up what did you think of the roster of that game with you got Flair you got Lex Luger as the narcissist, not as Lex yeah. Luger. And me and my friend, my childhood friend at the time, we used to name him Ned Flanders. Really? For some reason. He didn't have a mustache, but we still named him. He, we thought he looked like Ned Flanders. He's a buff Ned Flanders. <laughs> well, that's the gag, isn't it? When right, when yeah. Flanders goes to rescue, I Stupid, forget it's Homer. Stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> the ski slope. We thought that was it was like ah that's freaking Flanders but yeah um yeah and then you've got uh there's no Hogan in the game which is very strange but you still got Macho Man you right. still got uh Undertaker, Perfect, Hitman, Tatanka. Shawn Michaels, Tatanka, Crush, Razor Ramon. The
0: the version I actually grew up with was the Genesis version. Yeah, that, that one's had, got Hogan. That had Hogan but it also had um urban r Shyster, irs man <laughs> great and, name and the guy like it had papa shango in it which oh
1: yeah wow what he a was, pull! even he for was the scary, day yeah he really
0: certainly. scared
1: the hell out of me they were really pushing him big time back when uh that game came out so it doesn't surprise me that he was in there because i think they wanted to have sort sort of like a supernatural opponent for the undertaker yeah that makes or something sense. like that because, we also had Jim Duggan. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And you could do his finisher with where he gets down in the three point stance. Yeah, and
0: tackle the guy. That's that's kind of like a Goldberg move, isn't it? Yeah, I guess they kind of rip each other it was off.
1: Pre Goldberg
0: move, yeah. <laughs> Man, good times. I'm probably going to get off here and go play more wrestling games when this is all done. I'm going to play some Royal Rumble. It's solid. I need to also get Raw. I wanted to play that, but I didn't have it, unfortunately. Ugh, you got to get it. All right. So does that do it for a drunk friend episode? No, I haven't said right on enough. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Oh, that guy's going to be so excited to hear this.
1: I know, right? I hope so. (laughs) This is for you, buddy.
0: Yeah, so that's been another Drunk Friend podcast. Be sure to check out polykill.com to find more podcasts like this one. And once again, reach out to us at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com if you would like us to stop saying things like right on. (laughs) We need more negative feedback. Come
1: on, people. (laughs) Let's go. We're getting by too easy. (laughs) And if you'd simply like to just help out the show, remember to rate and review us wherever you listen, whether it's like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of that stuff. So many. So many of them. Uh, We're on Twitter as well. I'm at TravPlaysGames, and Alex is, of course, at SNESTRUNK. And, of course, we want to give a shout-out to Coolor for the podcast music. The song you heard is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. Speaking of buzzed, uh, be sure to catch us on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day.